Hi everyone, welcome to Chi Alpha After Hours, where we take a closer look at what it means to follow Jesus on the university campus. My name is Cassie, and I'm here today with Nathan and Johanna, two of my fantastic Chi Alpha co-workers here at OSU. Today, we're going to talk a bit about mental health. Being mentally healthy can mean a lot of different things, including caring for our intellectual lives. Um, but in today's episode, we're going to focus more on mental health struggles in particular. We believe that God calls each of us to love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. So to do that well, we need to be good stewards of the minds that he gave us and know how to support those around us. Obviously, this is a really big topic, so we're only going to scratch the surface today. Still, we hope that this will be helpful for you if mental health is something that you struggle with or if you want to learn more about being a wise friend to others. Um, before this episode, I did a little bit of research about mental health concerns in university students. Um, and I looked at this national study that was published in 2019 by the American College Health Association, uh, where they got responses from 67,000 university students. And those students were asked to report their experiences with mental health within the last year, uh, whether or not they had received a formal diagnosis. 45% um, of those students said that they had felt so depressed that it was difficult to function. 66% reported overwhelming anxiety. 66% reported feeling very lonely. And 13% had seriously considered suicide, um, which is pretty serious. And obviously that's not an exhaustive list of mental health struggles and what people tend to go through, right? Like, especially in the late teens or in college years, sometimes people experience new forms of mental health struggles that they hadn't before. Um, and so we're gonna talk today about kind of what a Christian perspective looks like, and that's not gonna be specifically tied to any one of these struggles, but um, know that we're trying to be relevant to as many of those as we can be. Um, I think it would be a big mistake for us, though, to assume that none of these students are Christians, um, which is why we're talking about this. Um, so let's dive into our questions. And since we're talking about health today, I think we should start by talking about Jesus, right? Over and over again in the Gospels, we see Jesus healing people with various afflictions as an extension of the kingdom of God. And this ministry of healing continues through the disciples in the book of Acts. Um, so for both of you, how has seeing Jesus as a healer affected the way that you think about mental health as a Christian? I think that for me, there is a certain amount of hope in the idea that Jesus is a healer. Um, because I believe very strongly that mental health is part of overall health. So in the same way that Jesus is able to uh, heal blind people, um, he's also able to heal people who struggle with anxiety, depression, PTSD, whatever else. Um, and that that is available for us today. Um, and I think that that's something that if you do struggle with anxiety and depression and all sorts of different mental illnesses, sometimes those mental illnesses make it harder for you to actually internalize that that's true. Hmm. But the truth that scripture gives is that Jesus can heal us. Um, I think that kind of one of the difficult things about it, though, is if you're in a spot where you're like really depressed and you're like, Jesus is capable of healing this, but I'm still really depressed, it can be really easy to start thinking of, of it like, am I doing something wrong that's making Jesus not heal me? Hmm. Um, and I think that sometimes the church as a whole really kind of contributes to that. There's sometimes this attitude of, well, if you've really accepted Jesus and really follow him, then you won't be anxious, you won't be depressed, you won't struggle in whatever other ways. Um, but I think that a truth to keep in mind, too, is that Jesus is a God of healing and can potentially heal us right now. Um, but Jesus also might have a reason to allow you to struggle for a while. And it might be that the hope you're looking forward to is the hope in eternity. Um, and I think that being able to keep that perspective of like believing that Jesus can heal you now 
um, and maybe not giving up on that possibility, but also keeping the perspective that um, if he doesn't heal you right now, that doesn't mean that he is not a healer and it doesn't mean that you are not really following him. Hmm. So there, uh, one thing I think that is that there is this with like things like depression and a lot of mental health issues is that there's this physiological component, you know, there's these neurotransmitters and chemicals that our body, uh, was made with and is, uh, possibly being distributed, um, in inadequately or inappropriately or unhealthily. Um, and that's just a real thing. And God, I believe, can heal us of that. But another component with a lot of mental health issues is sort of a perceptual aspect of it. Um, and so like being a person that struggled with depression, I know that <clears throat> whether or not there is a biological component, there is at the same time this level of feedback of like how I'm engaging with myself, mm. how I'm communicating with myself, how I'm reflecting upon myself. Um, Soren Kierkegaard actually talks about despair uh, in his book, Sickness Unto Death, and he actually says that despair is the misrelation of the relation of the self to the self, Whoa. which is a very complicated way of saying... Can you say that again slower? Sorry. Okay. Yes, I Thanks. can say it slower. Uh, despair is the misrelation of the self to the self. Okay. Or actually, it... I might be misquoting that. It might be the, a misrelation in the relation of the self to the self. I think that actually might be more accurate. So yes, he's a philosopher. So he uses a lot of words multiple times in confusing ways. Uh, but I, yes, yes. Both Cassie and Joe are just smirking at me like, Nathan, you're such an idiot. But anyway. No, no. <laughs> we're happy for you. No, I'm, I'm looking at you like, you do that all the time, Nathan. That explains a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's anyway, so fun to get the Nathan-Joe dynamic. Um, but I, when I read that, I realized mm -hmm. that there is this level of like, I have a relationship to myself. Mm -hmm. And um, there's how I communicate about myself, how I think and perceive the world and how I perceive others mm -hmm. um, affects my depression mm -hmm. and it feeds into it. And that's a spiritual thing. Uh, I believe that spiritual things are relational things. And we, I don't think we often think about um, our, uh, ourselves having a relationship with ourselves, but I think it is very true when I think about it, how I perceive myself as a relational concept. Mm -hmm. um, and so... When I think about Jesus um, and uh, uh, his healing, yes, it can be physical, but an aspect of Christ's, Christ's spirit in us and Christ's kingdom in us is an aspect of like, how do I see myself? How do I relate to myself? And in that, how do I relate to the world? And so Jesus isn't just like a physically perfect, quote unquote, person who has like perfect chemical balances in his brain or something like that. Um, it's actually like, no, I have the proper mindset. I have the proper self-reference mm -hmm. to myself. Um, and that is actually a huge component of Christ's healing mm -hmm. in our lives is actually about like, hey, no, I'm inviting you into perceiving yourself differently. You're, you're, it's very possible that your chemical imbalance isn't actually um, the thing to be primarily concerned with. That, or that God's primarily concerned with. He's possibly very concerned with how you perceive yourself and how you talk to yourself. That's not to say he doesn't care about the like those um, those uh, physical physiological uh, unhealthy things, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Like I, th I think God is very concerned about it. But um, Mother Teresa, and this is very much in line with what um, Joe is saying, is like she actually had this perception of like God must love me so much if he's allowing this much suffering in my life, there's this notion of like, maybe God hasn't healed me because this is actually for what's, what's best for me. Mm -hmm. Maybe what's at the end of my suffering is actually a good thing. And one of the things that we have to like face from scripture is the fact that Christ's glory and Christ's perfection was found in the suffering of the cross. There was no other way for him to fulfill his perfection and become fully glorified mm -hmm. except through the act of suffering. And so, uh, and in being a Christian, we have to possibly engage with our suffering and mental illness as maybe a, a crucible or our own crucifixion in a way. And it's a way of our coming into perfection. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I, I, to summarize 
what I think, it's complicated. <laughs> but like, I do believe that Jesus has, God has the power to heal us physically. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think it's the only thing that God is very concerned about. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's very concerned. I think sometimes we are maybe um, understandably, very understandably, um, uh, being like, well, this is what's wrong with me. And God's actually being like, no, this is the thing that I'm actually trying to heal right now. Mm-hmm. Um and, um, yeah. 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 I was thinking of the story of when Jesus heals the paralytic, um, and how he, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a number of things going on in that story. One is that Jesus is saying, well, I have the authority to forgive sins and that's mm-hmm. a big deal. And that's, that's actually the primary thing going on, even as I'm healing this man of his physical ailment. Um, but I think it's also in that story where Jesus looks at this man and, and asks like, do you want to get well? Like, do you want to be healed? Um, and I hope I'm not misquoting the Bible. I hope it's in that story. It's not. It's not? Oh, no. no. Which story is that in, Wait, um, It is in um, one of the blind people he heals. It's, is it um, really? Wait. Okay. Yeah. Which the, When Jesus says, um, do you want to be well? Uh, blind Bartimaeus, he asks, what do you want of me? No, there's a different, different blind person who he heals, who he asks, do you want to be well? I did a sermon on it a couple of years ago, Nathan. Really? I thought there was only two blind people. Okay. There's three blind people. Um, How do I not know the third blind man? <laughs> I don't know. I preached on him when you were there. I don't know. <laughs> okay, well, there's an element of Jesus asking, like, like, do you want to get well? And I think that reminds us we have to put our faith in him and our hope in him, um, right? Like, it seems like an answer or a question with an obvious answer. Um, but there is an element of, like, God's healing is holistic, and we need to trust him for healing in every aspect of our lives. And that includes the way we think about ourselves. That includes us physically. That includes us spiritually. And God cares about all of that. And I think it's important for us to hang on to that. Um, Maybe when we don't see perfect restoration in one area of our lives, like, no, actually the hope of Christians is like full restoration. That's Mm. what God has promised us. Um, What he hasn't promised us is the exact timing. And so we have to hold on to that hope and remember, okay, like this is who Jesus is. That That isn't dependent on my experience. Um, We talked a bit about suffering already. I think both of you brought that up, but kind of from an inside perspective, like how do you think about that? Like I think a lot of um, people who are struggling with mental health might kind of bring up this question of like, why would a good God allow people to suffer um, and not just fix this right away? Um, Like some people would assume that if God exists, then being healed of a mental health issue should be as simple as praying for God to heal you. Um, So how do you approach that question, um, or how have you wrestled with that personally? Yeah, so Nathan's talked about this a lot already. Um, So I'm going to, instead of, like, going into the subject of, like, God potentially not immediately healing us for the good, like, the better good for us or the world, because Nathan's talked about that pretty in-depth already, Um, I'm going to kind of go straight to what I think is one of the hard truths the Bible gives. Um, This is a question that I struggled with for a really long time. I had a pretty traumatic childhood, and um, this is a question I asked a lot in the early years that I was a Christian. Um, But if we look at the book of Job, which is more or less um, a book of the Bible that's talking about this question of why would God allow suffering? That's like one of the main Mm -hmm. purposes behind the book of Job. We see, um, if you're not familiar with this, Job um, is a guy who worshipped and followed the Lord really well. Um, He had a really prosperous farm, a really big family. He um, regularly... Uh, sacrificed for the sins of himself and his whole family. Um, And God saw him and was like, Job is great, basically. Um, And then um, at the beginning of this book, there's this kind of interplay of um, 
God and the enemy speaking to each other. And the enemy's like, well, Job is good and loves you because you give Job good things. Um, And God is basically like, I think Job would love me even if I didn't. And um, kind of what ultimately ends up happening out of this interaction is that God is like, you can try Job. You can see if his faith is real. Um, Only don't kill him, basically. And so Job ends up experiencing like his house gets burned to the ground. His children all die. His wife is still alive, but his wife is like a jerk to him, frankly. Um, Yeah. (laughs) uh, And he starts to like have boils come up on top all over him. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's just like in the state of like, I had everything and now like my livestock are dead. My children are dead. Everything that I really valued are dead except for my wife, who says I should just die. Um, And he's, throughout this book, there's just, like, his struggle with, um, like, still praising God through it, and then his friends start to come in and talk to him about, like, well, you must have done something wrong. Um, And Job's like, I didn't do anything wrong. And slowly throughout this conversation, there's just like more and more of like Job being like, I didn't do anything wrong. So why is God letting this happen? Mm -hmm. Um, And at the end, God comes in and he pretty much tells Job's friends that they're terrible friends. Um, And then he addresses Job and His response to this question that Job has been wrestling with in the midst of a great tragedy, um, his question of like, well, if I did everything right, why is God letting this happen to me? His response is basically, Job, who are you to ask that question? I created the entire earth and everything inside of it, the whole universe, and I can understand things that you can't understand. And the book of Job is interesting because it ends with Job, again, having a deep trust in God. But Job never gets the answer to that question. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that in addition to, like, the kinds of questions of, like, okay, sometimes bad things happen because we live in a broken world. Sometimes God is letting things happen so a greater good can come out. I think that there's also a capacity to which, like, and it's okay if you're not there right now, but eventually um, in your walk with Jesus is you um, deal with different struggles with mental health. There is a degree to which at some point you have to come to a place where you're like, even if I never actually get an answer to why I'm suffering, I still trust God. I think I always have heard the book of Job talked about as like this theological statement, right? Like this is the point of the book. Um, And I think even personally when I've read it, I've been like, oh, wow, his like his external circumstances changed a lot and his relational circumstances changed a lot. And even his physical circumstances changed because he has the boils and things, but he goes through trauma. Like all of the things that he's experiencing kind of become this internal reality for him. And I, I don't think I realized that until you were just talking. So he is kind of this figure of, wow, okay. He has this inner turmoil and out of that too, are all these questions coming and, And then it prompts God's response. Just interesting. I think um, the book of Job is exactly as Joe has described it. It's, it's actually, I would say it's a very personal book. It's much more personal. It's it. I think the Bible is meant to be personal, not theological capital T, if that makes sense. Like it's often philosophized and not realized. Um, But anyway, but Job is very much that book that Joe was, Joe was mentioning. And I think the thing is, is when people ask the question of why would a good God allow people to suffer, Job brings up, is essentially asking that question. And the, the struggle is, is that in order to really come to terms 
with, in order for Job to come to terms with God, so to speak, come to a place of understanding, he ultimately has to set his pain aside. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's very much a truth in the Bible. Like, uh, I believe Jesus puts his pain aside. Um, he, and he even makes his pain an offering, his suffering an offering to the Lord. Um, is a very, which is a very, very common theme in, in Christian history of people who actively engage danger and hardship as an offering, as a gift to the Lord, because they know that doing a hard thing, doing something that may cause them uh, physical or emotional or um, any many forms of pain, uh, they know that those are things that honor the Lord, not because God is sadistic, not because God is a sadist, but because God is hopeful for, um, because greater change doesn't come without some sort of hardship and sacrifice in a world that's this broken. Um, and so, and most of the time, why would a good God allow people to suffer? It can be a very personal question. It can also be a, kind of a question by proxy. So um, it can be like, oh, well, I'm enduring a mental health issue. Or maybe it's uh, a close family member that's enduring something and you deeply care about uh, that person. And you're like, well, why is my, my brother, my sister, my mom, my dad, um, or a friend uh, enduring this this hardship? And it's hard for me to watch that. Um, and I would just say that Jesus presents a person, Jesus being God, is a person who empathizes and who cares for people in those situations. Um, it's not a reticence. He or, uh, he's not withdrawn from. He's not withdrawn from the situation. Uh, it's one of the powerful things about Christianity is it's God among us, God with us, um, in a very very physical way and being relatable. Just very much believe that. Kind of going back to where I was starting, where I started, it's we have to be willing to say that my pain is not um, more important than my relationship with the Lord, the possibility of restoration in the future. Um, if we give into that suffering, if we give into that pain and let that pain speak louder than our trust in the Lord, uh, we ultimately don't get to see the restoration that the Lord promises us. Um, we don't get to see the heaven to come mm-hmm. um, and our, ourselves fully realized um, I think that also going off of what Nathan's talking about, about this idea that there's part of just the nature of the fallenness of the world, that evils and suffering happen in it. I think that sometimes the question that that then brings is this question of like, well, why doesn't God just fix it now? He says he's going to fix it in the future. Hmm. Um, And I think that it's really important to remember that the continuation of the world is actually a grace. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, God deeply desires for people to know him and have access to him. Um, And he chooses when the end times will happen for probably reasons we don't understand. Mm -hmm. Um, But also, scripture is pretty clear that... um, God is allowing the world to continue partially so more people can come to him. Yeah. And so more people can have access to him and to salvation and to this future world that we can look forward to where there isn't mental illness and there isn't suffering. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's also an important thing to keep in perspective is as we consider that God is a good God, but that the world is fallen Um, to remember that God not yet bringing his judgment upon this fallen world is giving more people Mm -hmm. an opportunity to partake of a world Mm -hmm. that isn't fallen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the hard things about pain is it causes us to look at ourselves, right? It's a temptation to become more inward focused. And I think what all of us are saying is like, Really, we have to be God-focused and others-focused. Like, that's what we're called to in things that are hard. It's not to say, don't take care of yourself. It's not to say, hey, don't pray for healing. That's not what we're saying at all. But 
the temptation is to look inward and God calls us to do the opposite and to continue to put our trust in him and to look toward the hope that he's bringing to other people um, and not just ourselves. I think we should move on. Let's talk about um, what this can look like practically. I know I've had a number of conversations with students um, and friends that I know who struggle and um, they've said all kind of <laughs> along a similar theme um, that they don't wanna talk about mental illness or the hard things that they're experiencing because they don't want to be a burden to others. Um, so how would you respond to that as pastors? I think I really resonate with that claim a lot of the time. Um, and it's, it's origin. Okay. So there, there is something complex about this. Okay. So, because I know from my own personal experience that there are some things that the Lord um, is doing inside of me that are really hard that I think that the Lord has actually been like, I want you to sit with this, Nathan, mm -hmm. and think about it and contemplate it and maybe only talk about it with a person. But like, this is something that you need to like work. We need to, the Lord and I need to like be patient and, and, and forge through so there is that. Okay. So I, and, um, that's happened to me a lot in my life where the Lord is like, Hey, here's something for you to contemplate and ruminate on. And eventually like there is a point where like there is a fruit that is born of that. And then I share that fruit. There is that, but that's always the goal. It's not like to dwell or ruminate or just wallow in suffering. There is like a point to it. There is like a, uh, a destination that is being sought after. Um, but conversely, this actually happened, the, and that happened actually, what was it, last week, Cassie? Yeah, it was last week. Two weeks ago. Two weeks. Oh, week by the half. time of this podcast, it'll be two oh, weeks gosh. ago. Three weeks ago? I don't, I don't even know. know when this is getting published. I don't know. It's coming know. out. <laughs> At some now. time during spring term, <laughs> Joe is just confused. What's going on? <laughs> Hey, this um, podcast that you're listening to, it's out right now. And we had that conversation at some point. During spring term. Um, <laughs> we had a conversation and like Cassie, uh, I was sitting in the office with Cassie and Honor when we were having kind of a staff prayer time. And they're like, how are you doing, Nathan? And I was like, oh, fine. And I don't remember how this happened. But then they're like, I don't know, it was something like. You said something about like us being invited as Christians to want to be forgotten. And I was like, oh, yeah. I think that's okay for you to have as a desire for yourself, but we would be terrible pastors if we forgot about people. So therefore we're choosing right now not to forget about you. Okay. So as you can just glean from what Cassie just said, very complicated. <laughs> okay. But like out of, out of a conversation, out of that conversation, there was like a lot of things that came up in that conversation and Cassie said, it's like, wow, Nathan, that's actually a lot of stuff going on. And I was like, this is actually pretty easy. Like, this is actually a pretty light day. This and is my Tuesday. This is, is my Nathan Tuesday said. is what I quote, is what I said. <laughs> and so there's a level, there's a, there's a, a mood. <laughs> uh, and so there is this, there is a degree of like, um, and so why was I not sharing a lot of the stuff that I did share that day? typically it's because and this is the origin of usually people's privation or privatization what is the word word privation uh, it depends on what you mean i don't know okay. what you're talking about i don't anyway. yeah you, you haven't explained what you're trying to <laughs> say this, this uh this desire to keep things secret let's just say that this desire to keep things within and not share them is usually born out of a fear of being wounded in our sharing so I know for much of my life growing up in the church, I'd have these big questions. I'm like, well, what about this? What about this? And people just stared at me blankly and were like, uh, I don't know, but hey, God's with you. And then they just walk away. And I'm just mm -hmm. like, well, that kind of hurts. Like relationally, I'm just like, I'm kind of hurt. And then you just sort of learn not to share because it hurts to share. Mm -hmm. And that happens. Joe and I have, I'm sure everybody has experienced that at one point or another. Um, and one of the things I would say out of that is like, yeah, you, you kind of need to find those people that are good at helping. Believe it or not, a lot of people suck 
at helping. I, yes, I said suck. <laughs> um, and like, you know, there's, there's those people that you looking for those people is very good and having a hope for finding those people is very good. But if you don't engage in like looking for those people you can share, like it often and distills into just more and more depression, more and more anxiety, more and more problems. Um, if you're not looking for the opportunity to share, if you're not looking for those people that are safe people to share, um, it's one of the, actually, I would say, all three of us would say, pretty much every Chi Alpha pastor would say, one of the greatest moments for us in a one-on-one relationship is where they start sharing very openly about their stuff. Yep. Um, and it's not, bec- uh, we enjoy the honesty it's so much more straightforward. It's amazing. <laughs> um, and um, like, uh, it's just a huge blessing. And so really, I think out of this whole thing, it's like, I, I think I just say, sympathize with the person that is saying that. And uh, I understand that it probably does emerge out of this, like, well, like, I remember sharing this stuff with my mom or my dad. And they're just like, well, just got to deal with it. And it's like, well, that hurts. Like, I don't want to be alone in this matter. Um, and that just, yeah, it hurts to feel more alone. Because when you put yourself out there and someone seems to push you away, you feel that feeling of loneliness even more intensely. And a lot of depression and anxiety, which a lot of college students deal with right now, is out of, I believe, out of a lot, strong sense of loneliness and isolation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh Yeah. I think that's what I got. I trailed off a little bit there, but. Um, Yeah, I think I I agree with everything Nathan just said. Mm -hmm. Um, So listen to that. I think that also there's this tendency among people who struggle, I think particularly with depression, but this is true with Mm -hmm. people who struggle with um, a lot of things. A lot of things. Mm -hmm. Um, I've found... Um, in my own life, it's most often when I'm very depressed that I'm falling most strongly into that tendency of, like, I don't want to burden people with this. Um, like, oh, this one person said this one thing, like, two years ago, and it makes me worried that if I say this to them, it's going to, like, make their life way worse mm-hmm. or things like that. It's just, like, really, mm-hmm. it's really easy to think that way. And there's also this tendency, I think, to be, like, well, if my friend was struggling really badly with depression, I absolutely want them to talk to me and they wouldn't be a burden. But if I do it, I'm a burden. Yeah, mm. I've heard that a lot. <laughs> um, and it sounds ridiculous said out loud, but it feels very real. Um, and so I think that there also is an element of, like Nathan talked about, trying to find the people who are safe and good to talk to. And I think that's very important. But I think that sometimes people are safe and good to talk to and maybe don't know how to talk Mm. about it, um, but are very ready to listen and very ready to, like, hear from you about, like, what's going to be helpful for them. Mm -hmm. Some of the people who I talk to when I'm really struggling are people who have come up to me and been like, when you're depressed, I don't know how to help. How can I help? Mm -hmm. And... So that's not like a bar of this person knows the right things to say. Um, but I think that we need to be generous in how we think of mm-hmm. our friends also. Mm-hmm. Um, because if like we personally wouldn't think of our friends as a burden if they came to us with our mental health struggles, then if we're assuming that they would think of us as a burden, we're essentially thinking, like, my friend is not as good of a friend as I am. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that um, I'm not saying this to be condemning or anything, but I think that it's important um, to try to be generous with how we feel, think about the people who care about us. Mm -hmm. Um, And... Like, I also think with that, like, it's really important to be talking to your friends, whether they, um, who really care about you, whether they know exactly how to help you or they're just there for you. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that also, like, something that can help to not be, 
like this heavy weight on them is making sure that you're talking to someone who's a professional who does know how to help you so that then you're not relying on someone who just really loves you and wants to be there for you to have the answers about a mental illness that they have no training on. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that like with that, um, in addition to what Nathan talked about, uh, the main two things I'm trying to say is like probably your friends are more willing to carry your loads than you're giving them credit for when you're getting into this mindset of not wanting to be a burden to them. Mm -hmm. Um, And also that it's important to be conscious of, like, putting responsibility for, like, fixing your mental health where it actually belongs. Mm -hmm. Um, That sharing with someone doesn't mean that they have to fix it. Mm Um, and so I think like going in with that healthy mindset can help your sharing not become burdensome. Mm -hmm. Um, but I also think that it's important to recognize that your friends probably are not thinking of you as a burden when you're suffering. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They love you Mm -hmm. also. I would say just, um, uh, teasing out something that Joe touched on is like, you know, that, that person, that friend who like says, says very, I, I love this statement that you said, Joe, like, you know, you go to that friend and they're like, I don't know what to do, but I want to help mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, so I know for myself, my mom really, really cared about my, me and my depression. I know mm-hmm. that now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but growing up, there was a, because of bullying and a lot of other circumstances, I had grown to distrust people's intentions, period. Mm-hmm. And one thing I would, I would really encourage you guys is don't distrust people's intentions. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. like that person not knowing how to help you has confessed that very honestly, similarly how you've been honest with them. Mm-hmm. And they've expressed a desire to help and a willingness to learn how to help. And that is a very, very good thing. Mm-hmm. And I would strongly encourage you, encourage a person in that place of, um, of having that friend say that to them, of just like, okay, I'm going to trust them a little bit more mm-hmm. and, and share what I can share because... Yeah, and, and share what I can share. Um, I know that that was a huge hurdle for me, and still is sometimes, mm-hmm. of like, I don't mm-hmm. trust people's intentions, even when they're genuinely just wanting to help. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I think when things are hard, sometimes the loudest voice in our head is telling us to be isolated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know I've experienced that even in periods where I'm very lonely. I'm like, wow, okay, I need to go hide from everyone. I can't talk to anyone about this. And I think it's important for us to remember that the gospel often doesn't call us to isolate. Sometimes it does. Sometimes God invites us into periods where we're not sharing those things. Or maybe, you know, like Nathan said, hey, I want you to process this with me and just me right now or with me and one other person. Um, But I think if that's the loudest voice in our head, maybe we should get another voice. (laughs) And maybe that's a good friend. Or at the very least, (laughs) tell that other voice to shut up. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's not great. Um, we were, we were actually doing a core study on Galatians um, just for one day last term, and I wanted to share something we came across um, in Galatians 6. And this is in a section where Paul is talking about what life in spirit-filled community looks like. So this is um, what life within God's church as it's properly designed should be. It's after he talks about the fruits of the Spirit. Um, and we came across these two verses, and verse 2 says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And then verse five says, for each will have to bear his own load. Um, And we talked about that for a long time because I think it's important for us to remember we're people and not burdens, right? Like we carry things, but burden shouldn't be our primary identity. Our identity is children of God um, who are meant to be loved in community and by God. Um, So if that's something that you've been hearing, that's not true. Um, And there is this sense of, you know, we need to carry our own load. We need to carry the things that we're individually responsible for. 
Um, that includes not being like, hey, other person, please fix my mental health for me. That, that doesn't work, right? Um, but there is a sense of, hey, you know, if there's a burden, if there's something that's heavier than you can carry on your own, it's appropriate to share that. And that, that's something that Paul invites uh, the Christian community into, and it's something that God expects, right? He doesn't give us things that we're supposed to carry on our own for our whole lives. He's like giving us things that we can share in community. And that's part of the Christian hope too. Yeah. And I think that it's also good to like, if you're going through a time that you're like, man, I really want to talk. Like, I think God needs me to talk about this. Like God is telling me directly, I need to talk to someone about this. And man, I just really wish I had someone to talk about this Mm. with. Um, I think that sometimes it's a matter of like, kind of putting yourself out there with someone. Um, Mm -hmm. When a few years back, um, I was really struggling with like processing um, some abuse that I went through when I was younger and I was going to confront my abuser and I was feeling very alone and really wishing that I had someone to talk to about it. And it was like probably a month and a half of me praying to God, like, God, I feel like you want me to talk to someone and I feel like I don't have anyone to talk to. Before I was like one night sitting in my house, which I had 14 housemates, one of my housemates comes up and she's like, hey, how's it going? And I was like, oh, not great. And she's like, oh, why not? And then I realized the past month and a half, this exact housemate has been having this exact conversation with me and I've shut her down every Mm -hmm. time Mm -hmm. because I feel like I don't know her that well yet, but she's consistently been a good friend to me and I talked to her and she didn't have any like answers to the problems that I was having, but she was just a really good and solid friend who was checking in on how I was doing with that process and who stayed up with me really late the night before I went to confront my abuser and who was waiting for me at home when I got home Mm -hmm. Um, and again stayed up really late that night because she could tell that I needed to talk but wasn't feeling ready to talk yet. And so she just waited and stayed Mm -hmm. with me until I was ready to talk. Um, And... The thing about that is I had been asking God for a month and a half why that person wasn't in my life. And for a month and a half, that person had been in my life. Um, But and I had reasons why I didn't want to answer her honestly. And most of them were I have I've known you for a little while. And um, but I haven't known you well until like this school year. And it was like October at that point. Um But I think God was really asking me, like, Johanna, I need you to be ready to trust this person, Mm -hmm. even in spite of the fact you haven't known her Mm -hmm. long. Yeah. God provides what we need. Sometimes those are people. Yeah. And I would just point out in that there's still that element of risk that Joe was facing. Like, I think we're, you know, we're asking the Lord, God provide, God provide, to share on that level still doesn't just because God provides the ear to hear doesn't mean he displaces the fear to speak. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we have to be willing to overcome that mm-hmm. um, or, or face that and, and, and engage in it. And so, mm-hmm. yeah. Let's talk about this from the other side then. Um, and being that wise friend, right? Um, some of us don't experience significant mental health struggles ourselves, but we do have friends who do. Um, so how can we be wise friends to people who are struggling with their mental health? Maybe for a season or maybe for a long period of time. I think the first two things I would say to that are really quite simple. Um, one is don't be afraid to ask the person what would be helpful for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and two, there's great power in literally just being there for someone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um and like there have been there have been tons of times in my life 
And um, this happened a lot also in the lives of my brothers, uh, where we'll be like struggling really deeply with mental illness. And um, what we need is someone to like just come alongside us and sit with us and not expect anything of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that even like just that is extremely powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like be willing to not have any answers and still be there for them, mm-hmm. I think is really important. Mm-hmm. Something that blew my mind when I heard it is like, hey, you can just ask questions and there's a lot of different questions that might be helpful, right? Like, hey, you know, have you talked to anyone else about this? Um, can help you figure out where they're at or um, hey are you taking good care of yourself have you eaten today have Mm. you slept have you drank water (laughs) like really Uh, basic things and uh, I like I would never think to do that on my own but it was good advice so take that advice people ask really basic questions is this person taking care of themselves yeah a few years back um I was in, like, a really, really low place with both anxiety and depression. And actually, Nathan was, too, at the time. But Nathan had this bag of almonds he carried around everywhere. And basically, it got to the point where every time he saw me, he would just shove almonds at me because he knew I wasn't eating. Um, Yeah. uh, And he's done that with other foods as well. The weirdest one was when he gave me just raw spinach, and I found out later that he actually had the fixings for a whole salad, but he just gave me a bag of raw spinach to eat. Um, I love your friendship. But uh, I think that... I don't know what's weird about that. I would totally have just eaten the raw spinach. I did just eat the raw spinach, but I was a little bit salty when I found out that there were also things that I could have put on the raw spinach to make it not just raw spinach. Um, But I think that actually a big part of the way that Nathan and I support each other as friends is like checking in to see if the other person has eaten Mm -hmm. when we're really struggling. Yeah. True story. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think one big, big thing that I, I, I don't know how I learned this. It was just through years and years and years, I guess, of having conversations, is learning how to ask questions um, and allowing that person to have space to be known mm-hmm. um, and not fixing them. Actually, and this is a don't, I have this personal cardinal rule when I'm talking to someone and like engaging them in their life. I try very hard not to try to fix them when I don't know the person. Mm-hmm. Um, I had someone just the other day, I was I was having kind of a, just a rough day. It was just a rough day. It wasn't like I was really battling depression that day, even though it looked like it, but I just only slept like five hours the night before and it just was like, ugh. And this person's like, you gotta do something about that. I was like, I've talked to you twice mm-hmm. in three years. And I was like, kind of, upset i was like you broke the cardinal rule that you don't know anything (laughs) about (laughs) um yeah and it's like and really i've seen this time and time again where people i'm like you're 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 telling me how to fix something that you don't know anything about Mm -hmm. um me having struggled with depression a long time a lot of people who i don't know if they've ever actually struggled with long-term depression will be like well you just need to think more positively i was like do you understand what depression does to your brain it like literally you can't think positively yeah it's like really really hard and it doesn't go away just by thinking positively it can just be persistent anyway also fun fact a few (laughs) years ago there was uh research done with a sample size of like more than a thousand people on the power of positive thinking and i think that probably even the researchers went out trying to prove that thinking good thoughts will fix things like depression Mm -hmm. um and the results were actually that if someone has a tendency to think positively to begin with then telling themselves like giving themselves talk like, oh, I did a great job, I'm so great, tended to make them feel better. And people who were um, Mm. depressed or negative thinkers, if they did that, 
the tendency was that they felt worse about themselves. Mm -hmm. um, and the researchers had a few ideas of what why that might be, but um, one of their potential ideas was that the person just feels like they're lying about themselves. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think, like, being conscious of, like, this idea... Like, in general, I think it's just not helpful to say, like, just think positively. Mm -hmm. um, but also, like, what works to make you feel better won't necessarily help mm -hmm. other people. Mm -hmm. um, so bringing it up, like, mm -hmm. if you don't know the person well, mm -hmm. then probably you shouldn't do it at all. And if you do know the person well, talking about, like, this is something that's helped me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Have you thought mm. about doing it mm -hmm. as opposed to like doing this thing mm. will solve your problem? Being yeah. prescriptive. Yeah. 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 And so like, the, I mean, the have you eaten thing, that's just probably a good thing to do. However, if mm. they have a nut allergy, don't give them almonds. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, you know, there are like things that gener generally speaking, like very widespreadly, you know, making sure that they're getting enough sleep, making sure that they're eating mm -hmm. protein, good, like good mm -hmm. food, like not Doritos. Um, mm -hmm. There, there are those things, especially when it's really, really bad. Um, but like for the most part, what, what I was saying is like asking good questions, allowing the person to just have space to speak. And affirming, like, your, like, care for them, if that makes sense. Like, mm -hmm. not, like, oh, but you're you're just so great. Like, why, why the crap would you ever think that? Mm -hmm. Yes, I said crap. Why, why would you? I don't know why I had to say that. Um, but why would you ever think about that stuff? It's like, no, it's like, you know, I, I really just appreciate you talking with me. I really enjoyed this conversation. Um, you know, I, I really hope... You know, I was talking to someone a couple weeks ago. I was like, I want you to know that, like, the she was she was really struggling with depression and things like that and anxiety. I was like, I think you're really starved for gentleness. And she's just, like, tearing up. And she's just like, I just want the world to not hurt anymore. And I'm like, okay, yeah. Like, I want you to be, I want you to know that the world, I'm gentle with you. Like, I, I care about you. And she knew that. I hope she did. I believe that she did. It seemed non-verbally like, yes. Um, <laughs> and, you know, like communicating care towards mm -hmm. the person and a love towards the person is really beneficial. Mm -hmm. But that's not like trying to fix them. Mm -hmm. That's imbuing like value to mm -hmm. them, if that makes sense. Like to say everybody wants to know that they're valuable to people, you know, mm -hmm. on a deep intrinsic level. Anyway, so, yeah, asking good questions just really being a good listener, not being prescriptive. Mm -hmm. um, don't make assumptions. Don't make assumptions. If they're crying, just let them cry. Give them space. Just let them. Just let them cry. Mm -hmm. I had a friend once who I'd been friends with for years, and I cried in front of her for the first time, and she pushed on my face and told me to stop. No. Seriously? Yeah. This she is why was, we're talking about emotional health next week. She she just panicked. Um, we both laugh about it now, but it was a mm. little upsetting at the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's. Yeah. So don't, I, like, don't, 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 don't shove do that. their face don't and tell that. them to stop. Don't do that. In fact, but just like, as a rule, don't push on your friends' faces in general. Yeah, don't. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> Here, let me push on your face. <laughs> no, um, no. But, but yeah, like I, mm -hmm. I, I would be sympathetic. It's like you might feel uncomfortable, like being mm -hmm. in a situation, and it's just like really just keeping your own calm, mm -hmm. and know that like the person's kind of just going through their thing, and it's mm -hmm. and it's yeah. perfectly safe. You're mm -hmm. in a you're. I mean, unless you're like in a dungeon or something, maybe. But <laughs> sorry, <laughs> but just allow it. Like they're they're just having an experience. They're having some. They're feeling things, and actually feeling things is probably good for them. And to feel those things to a degree out loud in front of someone, and mm -hmm. feeling like people aren't running away from me, mm -hmm. I'm not being rejected. It's really really powerful. Like I, yeah, it's really powerful. 
I cannot. Yeah, it's really powerful. Okay, that's it. That's that's what I got. Three times. What I'm what Perfect. I'm hearing, Nathan, is that it might be powerful. Not might. It is. It is. Oh, okay. It is. Okay. Thanks for clearing that up. Oh gosh. <laughs> this is off the rails, and I love it. <laughs> One thing that I have found helpful, um, especially with my Christian friends who I'm really close with, um, is helping them think through what's in their head. I think Nathan was talking earlier about the the way we talk to ourselves matters. Um, and so if you can help them parse that out, and this might be helpful for some people and not for others, but just being there to like work through that with them and be mm-hmm. like, hey, is that something God actually thinks of you? Or is that something, mm-hmm. that, is that a lie that's in your mm-hmm. head? And what's the true thing? Like helping them at least be able to fight it, mm-hmm. that can be helpful. Um, I do think it's important to remember, like, you also have limits as mm-hmm. a person who's showing care. Um, so, you know, if you need to go take some space to process after, that's okay. Like, that's normal. Mm-hmm. Um, if you need, you know, like, if you need to talk to a mentor, like, maybe get their permission and then go talk to a mentor. I know as a Corfa, I've been in that position multiple times like that's okay mm-hmm. maybe don't make the promise of i'm not going to tell anyone about this you know or say hey you know i'll talk to you before i would want to share with someone else but you know if it's really if it's really big deal you know mm-hmm. that can be a really unsafe unwise promise to make mm-hmm. um two like don't be their counselor like you're not a counselor unless you are a counselor and you're listening to this but i think most people probably aren't so don't end up in that position in their lives. Like, you actually don't have the professional capacity to help them. Um, you can be a wise friend, but mm. you don't have the tools to be a counselor. And so if if it is at a point where, hey, maybe seeing a counselor would be helpful, that can be a conversation you have with them. But you shouldn't be in that role, and you shouldn't be the only person there for them 24-7. Mm-hmm. It's not healthy long-term, and it's not good for them either. Mm-hmm. It's not good for you. It's not good for them. Um just a comment on like the first thing you said, which is helping them process through those things. I, I just want to say this: that's a skill you develop. That's not sure. Like yeah. I like yeah. uh, I think a lot of people might hear it's like, oh, I should help help them like, oh, process yeah. this, and it's like, what do I do? What do I do? It's like, no, just calm down. Just ask the questions that come to mind. Mm-hmm. It it just let it happen. That's a skill you develop. It's not something that you just sort of should have. Yeah, that's Does that make I mean. sense? Yeah. So uh, I would say Cassie, Joe, myself, and most of the Chi Alpha staff, we've just done so many one-on-ones that we just kind of know how to do it. Um, yeah. So th- like, yeah, just that is what Cassie said is completely true and very good. But if you are just not feeling like, I don't know how to do this, that's normal. Being there is okay, too. Being there mm-hmm. is okay, too. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think that... Um, It's also, I think Cassie touched on this, but I want to reiterate it. Um, I have a tendency to take people's issues on and, like, very much just hold on to them. Like, this person is struggling with this issue, and it is affecting my own mental health. Mm -hmm. Um, And you are not responsible for fixing your friend. Um, And it's not just, like, don't try to fix them in the conversation because that will go poorly Mm -hmm. in the conversation and not help them. But, like, genuinely, you can't make your friend's mental illness go away. Mm -hmm. Um, And as Cassie was talking about, like, you're not a counselor, most likely. Um, Something to... Bear in mind with that is that you may be like, hey, I think you should talk to a counselor about this. And they might be like, I don't want to talk to a counselor for these eight reasons. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And I think that it's important to recognize that that might happen. Um, But something that you want to do in that situation is you want to make it clear that, like, I'm still going to be here for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't have the training to fix Mm -hmm. your problem, but I'm going to be here for you and I'm going to be here committed to you. Um, I know for your Chi Alpha pastors too. Yeah. We are also not professional counselors. I tell students that a lot. I tell them, Hey, I'm happy to help you work through this, but I also think you should talk to Mm -hmm. a professional about Mm -hmm. this. Yeah. Um, I think like for myself, uh, I was 
told by three separate mentors that I should see a counselor before I saw a counselor. And it wasn't that they had done anything wrong. Um, and it wasn't even necessarily that I was willfully choosing unhealthy options for myself. It was that I actually had a little bit of trauma attached to counseling. Mm -hmm. um, and I needed to get a po to a point where I made that choice myself. And so um, with that, I would say, like, you need to be consistently clear that, like, I'm not here to be a counselor. I'm here to be your friend. Mm -hmm. um, without beating them over the head with the idea that they should go to a counselor, I think yeah. that it's important to recognize that if a person isn't making their own choice to seek out that kind of help, then a lot of times it can be counterproductive. Mm -hmm. um, so like giving them the space they need to get to a point where they're okay with sharing with a counselor mm -hmm. if they say no, I think is really important while also maintaining the boundary that like you can't be their mental health professional. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're going to move on to our last question. But before that, I do want to qualify, like, the things that we just talked about of, like, hey, being that listening friend might be a hard experience at times. That does not mean that the person sharing is a burden to that person. Mm -hmm. Yes. Like, those things are not equivalent. Um, I just want to reiterate that because I think from that side of the conversation of, like, oh, it might be hard to listen to these traumatic things in someone's life sometimes. That's just true of life. And mm -hmm. the hope of the gospel is that we can work through that together and in healthy ways that respect our limits as people, but still allow us to trust and lean on God and each other. So I want to say that again before we close out. Um, for our last question, let's just talk about like what final encouragement or advice would you give to someone out there who's struggling with their mental health? I think uh, this is this answer is kind of to the specific person that's having a, some mental health concern and has developed a tendency to just not um, divulge their their what they're going through. Um, and I think what I would just say, and this is kind of a summary of what we've been saying, is, is just challenge that assumption some. Mm -hmm. And you can do that in very wise ways, if that makes sense. So like, it's not go tell the first person you meet on the street. It can be like that person that's like, you know what? I've had some really good serious conversations with this person. And I think this is, I, I think I can talk to this person about something a little bit heavier. Um, and that, you know, thinking about those people that Oh yeah, I've known this person for a while, like a couple months at least. <laughs> um, I think I'm ready. I think I'm gonna ch try challenging that assumption that people aren't there for me, mm. or people can't uh, appreciate me with this baggage, or what you perceive as baggage, um, and just challenging that assumption. Um, and um, and if someone, because inevitably someone's gonna do this. Um, and if someone doesn't respond well, th don't listen to the temptation that that was the wrong thing to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, I totally understand that feeling. I've had that feeling. Mm -hmm. Maybe you shouldn't try it with that person again. <laughs> <laughs> Pick a new um, person. <laughs> pit, like, think about finding another person and, and understanding that that person that didn't do well really just doesn't know what to do. Mm -hmm. Like, they're, they're, um understandably they're they're just they just don't know what to do yeah i think i would say our god is one who transforms people and i think sometimes that looks like healing and sometimes it doesn't but that doesn't mean that god cares about you any less and that doesn't mean that he loves you any less and it doesn't mean that your identity is anything other than a child of god I think of some of the most inspiring people in my life and they're people who have really struggled and mm -hmm. have still done incredible things and love each love people really well and they're not they're not letting the struggle that they're in define them and I think God invites us to trust that our identity in him is the most important one we have
Yeah, I think that one thing that can be difficult about if I'm talking to someone who's struggling with their mental health is the degree to which you probably have been told many, many times that you're valuable, that you're loved, um, and intellectually maybe even understand that. Um, but that doesn't mean that you believe it. Mm -hmm. Um, and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to just leave my last bit, my last thought is things that you have probably already heard. Um, and this isn't me assuming that you haven't heard it or you haven't like even believed it with your mind. Um, but you know, you, by existing, are important. Um, you are deeply loved by your creator who wanted you specifically to exist. Not like, I mean, he did want Johanna to exist, but not you in the sense of like Johanna and all of the rest of humanity and Cassie and Nathan, but like specifically you as you are as a person he wanted to exist um there are people who care about you even if you ha don't feel like you've seen it yet in your life and the world would be a worse place without you around um and those are like thoughts that I often don't believe about myself. Um, but I think that hearing someone else say them can just be a helpful thing. So instead of giving advice, I just want to say that. That does fit the encouragement part of that question. So you did great. Oh, hey, there is an encouragement <laughs> part of that question. Look, I answered the question. You did good. That was good. We should end there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Nathan and Johanna, you guys are great. Thanks for talking with me today. Um, and if you're out there listening, we care about you, and we hope that this has been helpful. Feel free to email us with comments, questions, or topic suggestions at social at OregonStateXA.com, or you can reach out to one of us in person. Have a great week, and remember, you are loved. <laughs>